Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Millennial Learns. Thank you all so much for tuning in to today's podcast episode. I really am thankful that you'll come back week after week to listen uh, to the things that I'm learning and the things that I am sharing with you all. So I appreciate you being here. Uh, Today we are doing kind of a current events mixed with a history podcast episode. Um, We're talking about Roe v. Wade being overturned. So listen, if you are Roe v. Waded out, meaning you have heard about this way too much for the past couple weeks, that's totally fine. No hard feelings. You do not have to listen to this episode. Honestly, I was debating whether to even do this episode because I get so passionate about this topic. Like I feel the need to talk about it. I feel the need to speak what I believe is truth into the debates. But at the same time, I get exhausted, like truly exhausted from having to constantly hear about it and hear what I think are completely wrong and terrible opinions. And so, yeah, there are no hard feelings if you just are not, like, don't want to listen to this episode. I will see you on Thursday for a more lighthearted state history episode. That's totally fine. But I do feel the need to have to say something. And I want to do this in two parts. So basically the first part is going to be a timeline of how this all happened, what the decision means, and how it came to be that Roe v. Wade is now overturned, essentially. The second part is going to be things I've seen on social media, like pro-choice or pro-abortion arguments that I think either don't make sense or are contradicting or I think are just incorrect arguments and we're going to just go through what I've seen in the past uh, week on social media and um, just dissect them a little bit because it's funny my different Instagram pages I now have five Instagram pages which in and of of itself is like too much but that's a discussion for a different day it's funny the different audiences I've curated on each one of my pages on like my personal page I've known a lot of these people you know, from high school and some of them are like leftover from when I was a food account, which is interesting. Some of them are like Christians I follow, but it's all kind of a mixed grab bag. So I've heard a lot of good like pro-life arguments. I've heard a lot of, you know, of pro-choice arguments. It's a a mix. When I go over to our cross-stitching page, it is literally almost 100% that the world is burning because Roe v. Wade has been overturned, that we have no rights as Americans, we are not celebrating the 4th of July because we don't have reproductive rights anymore, women are under attack, and there are a million cross-stitched uteruses being shown on the cross-stitching page. I don't know why there's such this strong correlation between people who like embroidery and people who like to have abortions or people who think abortion is correct. I'm not sure why that's such a strong correlation, but that is one that I've noticed. <clears throat> now, I also have a homesteading page where I'm learning homesteading skills, like making sourdough bread, dehydrating food, all that kind of th- stuff. And I follow just other like homesteaders on it. I'm not even following that many people on there, but there was barely a peep about um, the Roe v. Wade thing, which is interesting because I know a lot of them are pro-life. And... So it's been interesting to see people who will not, like pro-choice 
people feel it very, very necessary to talk at this moment and tell their opinions, whereas a lot of the pro-lifers are staying very quiet. A lot of Christians who have spoken previously about some issues are now not speaking about it at all now because it's so sensitive and it's like I've heard a lot of moral discussions about that whole thing about like when should you decide to talk versus not talk and you know obviously you have a right to stay silent and not speak but it's interesting if some people are speaking about every single other issue but this one they won't um so yes it's been a hodgepodge and a mess on social media so I just wanted to go through some of those and tell my thoughts about it and um, kind of dissect each one of these kind of points of view and just have the discussion. So um, thank you for listening to this episode and let's get into it. So like I mentioned, the first thing I want to do is kind of just go over the history of Roe v. Wade and how it came to be that it was overturned because it wasn't just a simple like, oh, we're going to revisit Roe v. Wade and we decide, you know, it's not constitutional. Uh, We're going to go over the whole history of how this actually happened. So Roe v. Wade really starts on September 21st, 1970. So that was when an initial lawsuit was filed against the Dallas district attorney, whose name was Henry Wade. So that's why Wade is in the title of the case. It was filed on behalf of someone that just went by Jane Rowe as like a pseudonym so she could stay anonymous. And the lawsuit claimed that abortion laws were unconstitutional because in Texas you cannot have an abortion. And so a three-judge panel on the local U.S. District Court ruled in favor of Roe. So they said, yes, we think also that these abortion restrictions are unconstitutional, and so we're going to rule in your favor. Well, that escalated the case, essentially, and so in 1971, the Supreme Court agreed to hear the case. So this woman was trying to get an abortion. She actually never ended up having an abortion um, because nothing was decided by the time she had her child. So this woman was young and unmarried and pregnant for the third time. She wanted an abortion. In reality, I've heard that these lawyers just saw that she was vulnerable and poor and went up to her and said, like, we can argue for an abortion for you. Just sign your name on these papers and... um, you know, we'll give you money and all this stuff to be part of this case. So I heard that even the way that they filed the lawsuit was a bit sketchy. Um, But there are different views on that. Like some people see it as they took advantage of her really, or um, kind of exploited her. Some people see it as they like legitimately helped her. And if you see abortion as a compassionate thing for the mother, then I guess you can make the case that they helped her. But If you see abortion as murder, then, you know, they really took advantage of her to, um, as a means to an end of getting this overturned. So the Supreme Court agrees to hear the case in 1971. Now on January 22nd, 1973, that is when the court, the Supreme Court rules that an abortion is a protected right under the 14th amendment in a 7-2 decision. So 
The 14th Amendment has five sections to it, but the important one that this falls under is, reads like this, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. So basically, the extremely weak argument, in my opinion, um, was that under this, like, no state shall deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law was being violated by saying you cannot get an abortion. So, that is what the court ruled in a pretty overwhelming decision, 7-2 decision. It was a pretty radically liberal court um, at that time. So, that's what they ruled. Now, in September, on September 30th, 1976 something called the Hyde Amendment was passed so it was an add-on to congressional legislation and it prohibited government funds from being spent on abortion services except for in cases of rape incest or life-threatening situations so basically it couldn't be government funded it had to be privately funded like donations and stuff like that um, and that I think is a good amendment because people are not People don't agree on the morality of abortion. There are many people who don't want their tax money to go towards, you know, Planned Parenthood or abortion services. So, good amendment, at least, happened in 1976. Okay, then nothing really of note happened until 1992. And on June 29th, 1992, there was a decision for the first major challenge of the original Roe v. Wade ruling. The case was called Planned Parenthood v. Casey, and this involved abortion restrictions in Pennsylvania, and there it says there were new limits on the right. In a, wait, hold on, sorry. It says it involved abortion restrictions in Pennsylvania, and there were new limits of the right. In a 5-4 decision, they um, decided that there would be Kind of new limitations but basically roe v wade still stood so um it was not overturned at that point june 27th 2016 there was another case that reached the supreme court it was called um, whole women's health versus hellerstedt the court struck down a texas rule that forced clinics to meet hospital-like standards and for doctors to have admitting privileges at nearby hospitals so this was a case in which this law was passed that made every abortion clinic meet hospital-like standards. They decided that that was kind of too high of standards for these clinics to have to meet um, and overstep the clinic's rights. And so they, you know, ruled that uh, in favor of uh, the clinics and having them to have less standards basically or just maintain the same standards they did not have to meet hospital like standards okay now here is the big one the big case that actually overturned roe v wade essentially that now sets the precedent is so roe v wade said that you could um have an abortion anyone could have an abortion no matter what state you're from at any point in 
in the first trimester. You could not regulate anything uh, in the first trimester. So the whole concept of trimesters is from Roe v. Wade and from the court. So when people get upset, like when these liberals get upset that men are making decisions about your bodies and men shouldn't have an opinion about women's bodies and blah, 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 blah. I don't know if they realize like Roe v. Wade, when they were saying that abortion was a constitutional right, was first of all decided by men. Um, and they are the ones like men basically are the ones that made all of our pregnancy jargon like trimester not all of the pregnancy jargon but the idea of trimesters in pregnancy only is because of this ruling so it says the court divided the pregnancy period into three trimesters during the first trimester the decision to terminate the terminate the pregnancy was solely at the discretion of the woman after the first trimester the state could regulate procedure during the second trimester, the state could regulate, but not outlaw, abortions in the interest of the mother's health. So they could only regulate the procedure of how it's done um, or um, regulate in the interest of the mother's health, but they cannot outlaw second trimester abortions under Roe v. Wade. Under the second after the second trimester, the fetus becomes viable and the state could regulate or outlaw abortions in the interest of the potential life, except when necessary to preserve the life or health of the mother. So, um, so that is what Roe v. Wade said. But on December 1st, 2021, the case Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization goes to the Supreme Court, which basically this is a law that Mississippi passed, which banned abortion after 15 weeks. So this directly went in opposition of the ruling of Roe v. Wade, which was that you cannot outlaw second semester or second trimester abortions. So the second trimester is between like 13 and 26 weeks essentially. And so you cannot outlaw anything before 26 weeks or know 20 at the age of viability a lot of times um so that was in contradiction the people sued blah, blah blah it went up to the supreme court on december 1st 2021 okay that it takes a while for them to like hear arguments and get to that case and all that stuff so it wasn't until may of this year may of 2022 that there was a draft opinion that leaked from the supreme court I don't think they know still who did it, but it's like an unprecedented move where um, someone inside the court, because this is like a closed case, usually don't hear anything about it until the official decision has been made because they can do draft opinions and all this stuff, but then there's multiple days or weeks or you know a month in this case that passed between these draft opinions and when they actually continue the debate and the discourse and all that stuff and they can actually do their final opinions and sometimes these initial draft opinions change by the time they put out the official opinion so the rule is you're like no one is supposed to know about what's going on inside the court until um until it's final so the draft opinion leaked on in may of 2022 and it showed that they are leaning towards basically making the decision to say that this Mississippi ban is legal to do and that really nullifies Roe v. Wade. 
So someone did that. The theory is that someone on the left or someone who was pro-abortion did that because they wanted public pressure to be put on the justices to have the justices possibly sway their opinions and to actually uphold Roe v. Wade in the opinion or in the period of time between the draft opinion and the final decision. So they really wanted to like have people intimidate the judges um, into upholding Roe v. Wade. It did not work. And on June 24th, a glorious, glorious day, um, Roe v. Wade was overturned in a six to three vote. So we are now living in a post Roe era, as all the pro-life pages say. So that happened on Friday, uh, like two Fridays ago now. Um, so that is like the history, the rundown, the timeline of what actually happened to have us get to this point. Now, let's talk about some of the fallout of this decision. It has been wild on social media, as I talked about a little bit in the intro, but people are losing their minds. Like they are acting like all women have zero rights now. First of all, what this did was basically say that like abortion is not a Supreme Court issue. It should have never been um, determined by the Supreme Court. And because it's like so controversial and everything, they're saying, you know, we never should have been involved in this. We're going to hand it back to the states. So some people are saying, oh, this is our democracy collapsing. This is terrible for our democracy. And it's like, well, it's not terrible for our democracy to hand it back to the states for democracy to actually work. Even if you're pro-choice, I think there is, you can't argue that it's bad for the democracy to have democracy actually be at work in the process of deciding abortion rights. So all this did, it did not ban abortions nationwide as many people initially kind of thought it did. It just means that abortion is going to be decided by the states. So some states have like trigger laws that are going into effect um, that will ban abortions with, you know, some exceptions of rape, incest, or mother's health. Um, some will keep it legal. Like I know in Colorado, we can literally get an abortion up until the day of birth, up until nine months old, which I think is the most horrific evil that we have in our society is abortion, especially late term. Um, because at least if you argue that you should have first trimester abortions or, you know, medical abortions where you're taking a pill or whatever, at least you can argue that they're not feeling pain in that case. I mean, I think baby feels pain more than like way earlier than a lot of people think it does. Um, so I, I don't even necessarily think that like a all first trimester abortions, there's no pain involved. Um, but at least for medical or chemical abortions, like taking a pill that stops the flow of progesterone, you can argue, okay, the baby's not feeling pain. But third, like second and third and some, you know, surgical abortions are the most horrific thing I've ever seen, like where they describe the procedure and stuff, it's horrific. So I cannot believe that this evil is just like tolerated in our society, but like, yes, in Colorado, you can get an abortion up until nine months. In some states now, you it is illegal to get an abortion unless the mother is going to die. 
Um, so I, it basically just brought it back to the state level and said that uh, abortion and these very, very controversial issues should not be decided at a Supreme Court level or a federal level or level. It should be state level. Um, so, but I'm glad I've had like a week and a half to really step away from this a little bit because I was really going nuts a little bit there um, after the the decision went out. Not because, like, because I was so happy that it was overturned and that states can make their decisions and trying to learn about like which states are doing what laws and all this stuff. Um, but it infuriated me how some people were so passionate about abortion and and really saying like like I, I've seen videos where people are saying like I'm just gonna get pregnant just so I can kill the bastard like that stuff makes me feel sick to my stomach and makes me feel disgusted that people were are so passionate about the the right to kill their child you know that makes me feel gross and so I was like way too sucked into social media and trying to find like things that would honestly like rile me up a little bit and um it was kind of terrible I was also going through a miscarriage as this was happening so it was very odd because I definitely would like to have a child and that was like really the day that day and the day after were like days I was actively going through a miscarriage and um seeing people like celebrating like saying yeah I want to have a I want to get pregnant so I can murder it you know weird juxtaposition that was happening in my life there so um okay so let's go through some things that i had seen on social media when this first came out um some of them are just very ironic because it's like things that conservatives have been <laughs> really pushing for for a while that people have like come to the realization one of those things is a lot of people are starting to say okay let's go on a sex strike at like then we can't get pregnant like until we are allowed to have abortion. I'm not going to have sex. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what Christians have. And anyone pro-life has been saying like, yes, that is the only 100% way to be sure that you definitely won't get pregnant. Like, yes, we encourage abstinence before marriage. And like, I understand like that it doesn't always happen that way or whatever, but you should really not be having sex until you are a like until you come to the realization that if this results in a child i have to be responsible and care for it so um that's fine i suppose if you want to have sex beforehand but <clears throat> you should not be really doing that just flippantly and saying oh well if i get pregnant there's no consequences because there's like definitely consequences for your actions um so people are re recognizing that abstinence may be good which is a little ironic um, <clears throat> I saw tons of uterus images, like bands off our bodies, bands off our, you know, our, our uteruses, like hands off, like we don't want the government in our uteruses, which at this point is just getting annoying. Like it's, I don't want to have to see another uterus, honestly. Like there's nothing that deep about this one other than I'm just annoyed by seeing uteruses and my entire cross-stitch page is cross-stitched uteruses or uteri. Um, so I'm just done with seeing that. But the other more interesting part of that is I saw something that kind of contradicted that. So I don't know if this person was just misinformed 
and didn't really get it or if this is like a, a common thought process but basically what I have seen is or what I saw was a post that says listen trans men and non-binary uterus havers who may feel unseen today you are seen and loved you and your body deserve autonomy in all of the ways I love you so that was like the original post and then what I saw someone comment above that was saying avoiding body part centered designs is an important way to include the most marginalized she said in parentheses like flower uteruses like you should avoid um flower uteruses because and this was like in, in response to the trans men and non-binary uterus avers may feel unseen um so it's confusing because i don't understand how this even connects like you can't have an abortion if you don't have a uterus a uterus is like the one precondition of having an abortion you know so i would think that body centered designs are fine because even in their opinion trans men can have a uterus so there seems to be some mismatching and some confusion as to like should we can should we say women should because not all men are women and we'll get into more of that later um should we avoid uteruses because people think of uteruses as being a women's thing but trans men can have uteruses even though you need to have a uterus to have it all gets very confusing when you're saying um don't put body centered designs because there's trans people but trans men may also still have a uterus i don't know very very confusing um so i i was saying like my note on this one was so a flower uterus like stitching a flower uterus or drawing a flower uterus while i think is overdone and a little bit dumb in my opinion seems like it would be fine because you're not necessarily saying women you're just saying uterus havers so i don't get why there's confusion on the left about doing that but that's what i've seen um i've seen a lot about vasectomies like regular uh, uh, forcing vasectomies on men so it says vasectomies prevent abortion snip snip motherfuckers first of all anytime you're seeing like hateful vile like motherfuckers language on infographics it seems like it's not great but um that aside men can get vasectomies at any time women also have many forms of birth control so yes if men are super against abortion and then they're sleeping around and not using any sort of other form of birth control like condoms um yeah, sure, they're free to get vasectomies. But women also have a plethora of birth control options they can use, uh, they can choose from. There's also Plan B, which is controversial in and of itself, but no one's even really touching Plan B, um, like legal-wise. So they have Plan B, there's birth control, there's IUDs, there's, you know, like the pill, there's IUDs, uh, condoms, there's like female condoms. There's many, many, many ways to ensure that you have birth control so yes men can get vasectomies but also a not all vasectomies are successful not all birth control is successful either but you can use many different forms the bottom line is that you can accept the responsibility like you need to accept the responsibility of a baby when you have sex like sex equals baby or can that is what it's meant for the biological purpose of sex is 
to have a, a child, so you can try to avoid it. But if you're a sex-having sex adult, um, it's important to recognize that a baby can result from that. Also, people who are arguing that um, vasectomies need to be mandated now, it's like, so now you're mandating a medical procedure which you tried to also do with the vaccine, but whatever. Um, you are trying to mandate a medical procedure that is not the same thing as avoiding medical intervention unless necessary to save the mother's life or whatever. Um, anyway, this is all really, and this is in my final notes, but it's all just a escaping personal responsibility. It's like, okay, well, I shouldn't be responsible for doing birth control, so the men need to have vasectomies that are mandated. I don't want to have the responsibility of having a child, so I'm just going to have sex and abortion should be legal to me on demand. If you're having sex, a baby may come from that, and we all, all need to be a little bit more responsible, in my opinion. Um, okay, I saw a very funny one that said, uh, essentially it was along the lines of, since guns are more protected than women in our country, what if, and this is a, a staunch liberal anti-gun person, they said, okay, guns are more protected than women. So what if all women were armed and got, got guns to prevent unplanned pregnancy? Okay, multiple things about this. First of all, that makes it sound like every unplanned pregnancy and every abortion is due to rape or some form of abuse. Which is very far from the truth. Rape or abuse or incest abortions make up less than 1% of abortion, of like reasons why people get abortions. Most of it is convenience. I haven't gotten an educate, uh, you know, my education. I uh, feel like I don't have the money or I'm just not ready to be a parent. It's a convenience abortion. So this implies that it's all because of rape, which is not true. But also, yes conservatives have been saying and on board with arming all women forever we all yes you should be getting a gun to protect yourself of course yes so like you just walked into our argument yes you should if you're a woman yeah have a gun to protect yourself of course that's literally what we want so you found a good point i guess so congrats um there's a lot about men waking uh, men should not be making laws about women's bodies, which is funny because it always comes from the people who uh, are like most on board with the no men or no women or men can have uteruses and women can have penises. And um, if you feel like a woman, you are a woman. If you feel like a man, you are a man. Most of the people that I've seen this on their page from are the most um, progressive with the gender conversations. And then all of a sudden we know what gender is. <laughs> like we know what men and women are once uh, abortion is talked about. Um, so my notes on this one, when it says men should not be making laws about women's bodies, it says, I thought men could have a uterus. I thought men could have abortions. I thought women could have penises. So all of a sudden this becomes very clear when abortion is the subject. Um, they showed, a lot of people said, why are people, you know, with a penis making, um, making laws about my body? And, uh, and they're simultaneously showing all six of the agreeing opinions. And one of them is Amy Coney Barrett, who is a woman. So they're, the underlying message of this is that all women are pro-choice and these men are imposing laws about this. 
and trying to keep women oppressed where that is just not true there are many many pro-life women so like it's just a myth that all these women are pro-choice and we're just fighting men um so yeah i feel like you cannot hold the sentiment that men should not be making laws about women's bodies while also saying that people with uteruses can be men and having this very confused idea of what gender is so um okay another very disturbing one that i saw is something that said like what here's what we're not going to do in a post row era and there were many of these but one of them was what we are not going to do is stigmatize abortion it says saying no one likes abortion or abortion should be rare implies that abortion is wrong we know abortion is a good thing that makes people's lives better be unapologetically pro-abortion so i have a i mean massive problem with this one because basically and i feel like most people still have this opinion and it's just the minority that's very loud that uh, is more like actively excited about abortion i guess the argument from the left used to be well abortion is unfortunate and abortion is like not a good thing but in some situations in some very unfortunate situations you may have to choose abortion and we can talk about if that should be legal that used to be the argument and then basically it was the same argument on the right it was just saying like and that should not be legal like other than in probably like rape incest or health of the mother um so you used to have a lot of common ground with the other side in that everyone agreed that abortion is not like a great solution and it's unfortunate at the very least now there is this segment of the left and it tends to be young women my age saying oh, it shouldn't just be safe, legal, and rare. It should be celebrated. It should be on demand anytime I want and be able to essentially be used as birth control. So at that point, you have almost no common ground with someone who is saying that because it is just so flagrantly celebrating abortion that you can't even get to a point where you're talking about like, well, okay, what, like, is it okay if they're viable like if they're not tech, quote unquote viable is it whatever but we can all agree that it should be rare now it's like let's have it on demand all the time screw you if you don't want to give me an abortion all the time you know so now this is why I've, i have started moving towards calling what i used to call pro-choice side pro-abortion because the art it has shifted so far to the left of like of celebrating abortion as opposed to wanting the choice to abort if necessary or if they feel it's necessary so anyway that is a disgusting one um another one was that yeah there's more gender confusion ones which is like what we're not going to do is exclude trans people from the movement they say we need to ditch gendered language about abortion trans and non-binary people have abortions it costs nothing to include everyone which I mean, you're catering to such a small portion of the population at that point, trans people who are already a very small portion of the population, and then you're talking about trans and non-binary people who have had abortions or are having abortions, and then uh, abortion, which is like a women's issue. Um, 
like it gets very confusing. Now, the other interesting thing is uh, I heard an argument that I think it's the ACLU is maybe suing um, because they're saying that, you know, there's an amendment that talks about women's rights. And since abortion is only a women's issue, you are um, discriminating against women by making abortion illegal. And so they're going to try to sue and try to reverse this based off of that. Uh, which is funny because that same side is always talking about how it's not just a women's issue, how it's a trans issue, how men can also be have abortions and all this stuff. And so, like, you can't really follow that line of thought. I would think that that's a like a logical line of thought. Like, let's say, um, you know, yes, okay, abortion is a women's issue. So if you have a amendment that's protecting you from um, something that is only applicable to women, then maybe that is a logical line of thought for for this like if i was on the other side um but when you're simultaneously saying that abortion is a men's issue a trans issue a non-binary issue and a women's issue and you can't just single it out for women and then you're at the same time trying to say that it's only a women's issue and so it, it's unconstitutional based on that you can't do both you know um okay another one i saw is what we're not going to do is share coat hanger imagery it says the same goes for back alley abortions this will not be like 1972 we have abortion pills now which allow people to safely manage their abortions we also have the technology to connect with and help people spread the word about self-managed abortions instead so this goes against a different major point that i've heard which is that reversing this is going to kill a lot of people it's going to be back alley crochet needles again. It's going to have coat hangers, and we're gonna you're just gonna see a bunch of bloodied women walking into an ER after botched abortions and all this. Well, then simultaneously again, they're saying that, you know, that's not gonna happen. People aren't gonna die because we have safe abortions now. We just need it to be legal. So it goes, I mean, it's just again the flaw in the argument where they're saying two things that definitely contradict each other. Um, another disagreement I've found on the left is half the people are making Handmaid's Tale jokes or saying that they're going to buy the Handmaid's Tale uh, outfit. Then the other half is saying, what we are not going to do is make Handmaid's Tale or Underground Railroad comparisons. Abortion bans will harm black and brown people the most. This language centers white women, positions them as saviors, and minimizes the ways white women have been historically complicit in racism and abortion bans. Abortion bans are their own bad thing. First of all, yes. Um, I don't know. People should be complicit in abortion bans. You should, I feel like you should not be for it. Like, they're saying that anyone who is not for abortion bans is basically, like, evil and racist at the same time. So that's interesting. Um, first of all, abortion harms the black and brown communities, as they put it, the most. Um more black baby babies were aborted in new york last year than were born so that tells you something second of all margaret sanger who was the founder of planned parenthood was unapologetically a eugenicist and a racist and put centers in black neighborhoods specifically so that black people would reproduce less for people for a side that comments that everything is systemically racist and everything has racial roots and even things that are just so far away from the racism debate are all of a sudden being called, called racist to have something that is literally so racist and so based in eugenics to make black people reproduce less 
And that suddenly is now never called racist, but it is literally the roots are based in eugenics so that minorities and people with disabilities would not reproduce. And that is why so many are in minority neighborhoods. The other thing, I saw a um, pro-choice TikTok comment. So this person was for abortion. And he commented and saying, oh, come on, like, have you seen the neighborhoods where Planned Parenthood clinics are? Like, you do not want those people, or said like, have you seen the ghettos or something where Planned Parenthood clinics are? You don't want those people reproducing. That is not an uncommon sentiment in the pro-choice community. I've seen that many times where it is blatantly racist. You're saying that you don't want black people to reproduce um, or people who are basically poor or have a disability. And, and that is not an uncommon sentiment. And that is what the root of Planned Parenthood is. So the entire thing has a very, very racist undertone and history, which is disturbing. Um, okay. Last one that I've, uh, not actually not the last one, but close. Um, I've seen a lot of people saying that we don't care. Well, I saw one specifically that said, we don't care if it's a baby. I don't care if it's alive. I don't care if it's human. If it's all those things, no one should be able to live off you without your consent. Organ donors have to give written consent before they'll give an organ to someone else. So this decision makes women have less rights than a corpse. What a freaking mental gymnastics ordeal you have to go through to justify that one. First of all, you're the one that forced that baby to be created. It's not like it just appeared there. You, in over 99% of the cases, did not get raped to have that child conceived. You chose to have unprotected sex to conceive a child, okay? So you forced the baby to live inside of you. So you're not being forced to have something, someone live off of you. You caused that okay um so that is like a big thing they say gun rights are more protected than women's rights and women have less rights rights than a corpse that one's just a joke um okay the other one that i think is very easily i think misconstrued is a lot of people saying um we don't need more kids in the foster care system this would flood the system a lot of people are mocking couples who would say don't abort your baby will adopt your baby they say why don't you start with the millions in foster care because this is going to just absolutely destroy the system okay first of all the thing is uh, the adoption system and the foster care system are two different things in the united states there are not enough babies to be adopted so there are like for each baby there's an article that that posts or that cites this statistic that for each baby that is born and going to be put into the adoption care system or the adoption system, there are up to a dozen families that are trying to adopt that baby. So there are tons of um, women who or families that are trying to adopt that are waiting for a very, very long time because they cannot find one. Um, it's a, this article says, ever since I entered what can generously be called my mid-30s. Doctors have asked me about my pregnancy plans. Um, okay, they've thought it's adopt. Okay, adoption, after all, doesn't depend on your um, egg quality. And as we've heard a million times, quote, there are so many babies out there who need a good home. But that is not actually true. Adopting a baby or toddler is much more difficult than it was a few decades ago. 
Um, basically, it goes on to say that only about 18,000 are relinquished for adoption. Um, the adoption, children up for adoption rates have dropped from 9% to 1%. Uh, of course, I think that's because abortions have become so uh, popular and accepted. And so basically, it says plenty of children who aren't uh, babies need families. Um, okay, so through the foster care system, there are about 100,000 kids that are available for adoption. But the foster care system, the goal of foster care is reunification with families. So by saying that, oh, if we, you know, if we outlaw abortion and all these kids are born, you're going to flood the adoption system, flood the foster care system. It's just not true. You will add definitely kids to the adoption system, but then the families who are looking to adopt will be able to find kids to adopt. The foster care system is for parents who want their kids, who have had their kids, who have cared for their kids, and at some point they're unfit to care for their kids. So most times foster care kids are not in the foster care system as adoptive as like adoptive um, candidates for that long because most of them either are reunited with family members or relatives or their adoptive or their foster families will adopt them. So at any one point, there's about 100,000 kids in foster care who are willing to adopt or, or sorry, who are eligible to be adopted. And most of the time, the foster families will adopt them. So you also have to be in a very special spot to be able to take like an older child who has gone through a lot a lot of trauma and just and adopt them um so the point is the foster care system will not necessarily be flooded because it that is for families who are trying to be reunified with their kids it's for parents who want kids more likely the adoption system will be added you know kids will be adopt added to the adoption system um but there are lots of families who want to adopt. So, um, okay, that is pretty much all I have for what I've seen on social media. The like final thoughts basically are just that I've seen very, very extremely pro-choice men, which also comes off as really gross. Like I was watching Dave Portnoy and he's like, it is dangerous for us to vote for Republicans anymore because they're just going to um, force us to not have abortions and it's like there's nothing grosser to me than a man who is so actively pro-choice because like he's an older guy dating a very very young supermodel and it's like you clearly want to have unprotected sex with this hot supermodel with no personal responsibility of if you actually create a child and that's why you're so passionate about abortion like there's these people on instagram that i saw that are these two guys who um go around and kind of troll they're like conservatives that troll people and they went around dressed up like these liberals and started saying like, oh yeah, I'm so pro-choice. Like if I got a woman pregnant, I would like, I would be so about her right to choose and like have that abortion. And these liberal like pro-choice women were like, ugh. Like it doesn't sound good coming out of a guy's mouth. I don't know. Um, all this boils down to a lack of personal responsibility in my opinion. People like to use the term forced birth. And like other than the 1% of rape and incest, no one, no one's forcing you to have sex and get pregnant. It is a choice that you made and if a baby results, we all need to accept some personal responsibility. Um, yeah, if you're choosing to sleep with someone, a baby could be the result. Um, 
But the other thing is we need to, the pro-life side, again, needs to be compassionate to mothers who have either chosen to have abortions in the past. There is redemption in Jesus and forgiveness. Um, and we need to be willing to take the influx of babies that are going to result if we uh, ban abortions. So I am starting to volunteer with the Alternatives Pregnancy Resource Center um, because I feel like there's going to be a lot of influx into Colorado because our abortion laws are legal and I'm hoping more people will come to that center even if they're traveling for an abortion or you know whatever if they need some resources I'm hoping there's an influx in Colorado and we can help some of those women so we need to be willing to volunteer if you can give money if you can and just be ready for the influx of new babies that will be protected um, with some of these new laws so those are my thoughts um, thank you all for listening and I hope you uh, enjoyed the episode I'm willing to hear or I'm uh, excited to hear your uh, feedback your opinions or your debates or anything like that and um, I hope you enjoyed the episode so I'll see you for a m much more light-hearted episode uh, on Thursday about the history of a new state so I will talk to you later and see you then thanks for listening everyone bye